Hello, and welcome to episode number five of I Want My Mommy. Today, I have the pleasure of having my daughter with me to join me in the podcast. Her name is Jedi. We're going to be talking a little bit about our shared past history and trauma, and we hope that what we have to say will be helpful in your lives and your relationships. What have you got for us today, Jedi? Thanks, Mama. Um, I just, I made some notes that I wanted to talk to you about because I feel like sometimes we, we do have our shared history and past, but we, we obviously experienced it from two different perspectives. And um, so I think it's fun as we've grown and healed and um, just kind of rewritten our own histories to kind of re-talk about them. And maybe it'll help us realize things we still need to heal hmm. or it'll help us um, realize how far we've come and how much we have healed. So I just like to kind of go over old stuff sometimes, even if we've talked about it before, or maybe it's stuff that you, you don't remember or we haven't talked about before. Absolutely. So I made this a couple of notes just about what it was like um, being raised by my the man who raised me. I don't want to use names. <laughs> yes. So um, I usually use, just use his first name, but I don't want to use names. So uh, being raised by the man who raised me um, was so different than a lot of kids who grew up in healthy homes with loving parents and and so sometimes I just like to talk about those things out loud and especially with you mm -hmm. so something I wrote down said to tell or retell in case I have already told you mm -hmm. uh, mom about the time I got injured with the scar on my left hand yeah I don't know if you and I didn't even think to run to the man who raised me I ran to a faraway neighbor's house whose mom was a nurse so she could tell me whether it needed stitches or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think you told me about that. So I was at a friend's house, and again, I don't want to use names, but it was the bishop's daughter. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know what we're doing. We're chasing each other around, something silly little seven-year-old girls do. And um, she had ran inside the house, and I think she was saying, I'm going to come get you, you know, and come out. Uh -huh. And I pushed on the screen door really hard, but it wasn't the part where the screen was. It was where, like, the plexiglass, uh -huh. or maybe it was real glass. I'm not yeah. quite sure. I pushed it really hard on it to try and prevent her from coming out and getting me. Uh -huh. And my hand just went right through that glass oh, part. ouch. And um, I looked at my hand, and I, I don't know if I really had this conscious thought, like, okay, I can't show the man who raised me this because he's not going to take good care of me. Mm. But I just thought, I think I thought, I need to, I need to get this looked at by, by my friend's mom. Mm -hmm. I just know I need her to tell me what, how bad this is. Mm -hmm. And so she, her, her house was about a, a good block and a half away. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little seven-year-old bleeding, mm -hmm. running down the street. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just ran and knocked on the door. And luckily she answered. She was home. And I was like, hi, I just I just pushed my hand through a glass door. And I, I've got a cut on my hand. And I just want you to look at it and tell me if, if you think it's going to need stitches. And she brought me inside and, first of all, started to clean me up, mm -hmm. sweet mama that she was. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, I think that's going to need stitches. And then I, I felt... Um, sort of triumphant mm -hmm. because I was like, ha mm -hmm. now I've got this other adult in the neighborhood who knows and can vouch for, and can vouch for me. For, yeah. yeah. And then she's <clears throat> part of my weekly life. You know, she'll see me at church. You know, we all know the same people. And so yeah. basically I, I got somebody, I got another adult to hold him accountable. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can totally see that. And, and the fact that you were so aware 
of you of that process and needing to go through that as mm-hmm. as a seven year old mm-hmm. you didn't just panic when you saw you know yourself bleeding you thought mm-hmm. what next what do I need to do to make sure I get this taken care of properly mm-hmm. you know and that was an adult behavior mm-hmm. <laughs> that was something where you just simply were your own parent in a way mm-hmm. and it's interesting that you brought up that story first because the podcast that I gave last time I talked about you know I projected onto the next one and it was supposed to be about a little bit about being your own parent you mm-hmm. know or being your own mother mm-hmm. <clears throat> so perfect example of something you had to do and I'm sure there are many other examples of that oh, yeah. and what I haven't done is brought the audience up to speed on what our basic you know story of our our trauma was mm-hmm. so um, I was you know, mentioned the this church and I was part of that and when I was married to her dad and we <clears throat> the man who raised me I think we should the specify. man who yeah, raised her it's, it's yeah, two, different, it's exactly. two different people it is yeah um, so <laughs> it was a it was a bad situation and I was withering on the vine and I wanted to get out of that relationship and I wanted my daughter of course to come with me and um, because I left the Mormon church um, and the psychological evaluator and both lawyers were Mormon and the judge was Mormon. Basically what it boiled down to was they decided I couldn't possibly be a fit parent. And, um, there was nothing against me as far as, you know, a lot of people assume, what were you on drugs or an alcoholic or, you know, had you been abusive to your daughter? No, none of that. None of that happened. Um, we had a great relationship and I was a great mom. Um, but it didn't work out in our favor. Right. Um, and so there were eight years where we were, we weren't even able to see one another. We stayed in touch on the phone. I wrote letters, I sent gifts, you know, we, we did the best we could to keep in touch. And we actually, um, ended up, especially in the later years when there was less interference from him of being very close in our, you know, conversations. I, I thought many times we were closer than a lot of mothers and daughters who lived under the same roof. Um, and then there came a time when she was just about to turn 16 where she was able to stand up to him enough to say you know my mom's coming to visit me and I came down there and we were reunited then and we had you know ever since then we've had um, time to spend together and she actually lived with me for a little while and so um, over the years we've definitely strengthened and healed and you know gotten a lot further uh, from that but it's something that lives on in us you know Mm -hmm. that trauma lives on in us and um, she's been visiting me for the last week and we've been having a wonderful time with our connecting and um, we wanted to do this together you know since I started the podcast this year and she knew about it and so we wanted to sit and talk with you guys together and share some stuff so what else have you got one other note and just like you said um, that last story I told is one example of of kind of having to be my own parent and Mm -hmm. being the adult in that relationship Mm -hmm. there's probably many I might even think about while we're talking yeah and there's probably a lot that are deep down on the inside I don't Mm -hmm. remember and I'll think of them mm-hmm. later and maybe I'll even text them to you because I do think it's very fun to kind of maybe not always fun mm-hmm. but beneficial right mm-hmm. to um, kind of get this out there and talk about it yeah um, but the next thing I made a note was um, tell mom about the time I was in high school and I knocked my neck out of alignment <sighs> uh, you know how my neck is yeah I think I always joke that I think <clears throat> I got cooked wrong in the womb <laughs> I don't have any health problems. I'm a very healthy person, so blessed and so lucky. I've hardly spent any time 
you know, I never medication, doctor's offices, other than the occasional little tiny things once in a while. But I have spent so many hours in chiropractor's offices and in massage on massage tables. I just have a neck and back that do not like to stay in alignment and it causes me a lot of grief. Mm. And it's been ever since I was very tiny. I think yeah. mom had to take me to my first adjustment when I was, how old would you say I was? Mm. Preschool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. <clears throat> so I, uh, this note here says, uh, tell mom about the time I was in high school and I knocked my neck out of alignment and I actually looked like my neck was broken. I didn't realize this at the time. I just, cause sure. I was almost so used to having a neck knocked yeah. out of alignment mm -hmm. and I knew that there was going to be a week or two where I couldn't, you know, uh, the, range, head, the yeah. range of motion was terrible and yeah, you couldn't turn your head a certain <clears> way. And so I was like, well, here we go. It's another week of having a sore neck. And um, I, I remember friends commenting the most on it that this particular time that I would be at school talking to them and they'd be like, is there something wrong with your neck? And I was like, yeah, I, you know, yeah. tell them kind of the spiel. I just have a bad neck. It just gets out of alignment sometimes. And, uh, and I thought that's kind of weird. Like every single person who looks at me is commenting on this. I thought maybe they just saw me doing the stiff right. turn thing. Yeah. And so maybe that's why it was so obvious. Um, and then I went into the bathroom after school and I, I saw myself for the first time and I, I almost looked, you know how people get like a hunchback mm -hmm. back underneath here, mm -hmm. underneath that bone? Yep. I, it almost looked like I had a hunchback on the side. Oh yeah. Just looked so messed up. Mm -hmm. And I it was shocked to see myself look like, and I thought, oh my gosh, maybe something's extra wrong this time, Yeah. you know? And I go out and I'm <clears throat> describing this to the man who raised me and he says, uh, your muscles are just compensating on one side for the pain and it will get better on its own. Oh, wow. Ah. And he was right. And I think the only reason that ended up being okay is because I'm so young and I was so young and resilient. Yeah. And I think your bodies just have a way of healing themselves a lot more when you're very young. Mm -hmm. If it were to happen today, I would have major, major concerns. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, it definitely would not get better on its own, but just how messed up is that? Can you imagine if I came out of my room one morning, no matter what age I was, yeah. and I had like a hunchback <clears throat> uh -huh. on the side of my, and I was doing this. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's in how pain. I was moving. Yeah, and uh -huh. I, yeah, I was telling you I'm sore and uh -huh. it hurts and mm -hmm. I don't feel like I can move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't just say, ah, you know, let's not worry about it. It'll take care of itself. No, I'd be bringing you to a doctor or a chiropractor or someone, <laughs> a professional to see what could be done to yeah. fix it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that just blew my mind. I thought, and I thought about it later. It was one of those things that at the time I was like, "Oh, okay, mm -hmm. that's what the adult in the house says." Mm -hmm. So this is what we got to go along with. But I yeah. thought about that memory later, and I was like, "That's so fucked up." Yeah, I know. How dare he? <laughs> well, that among you know other things, we've had a lot oh, of talk gosh. since you've been here. Mm -hmm. uh, how about the leaving you at school every for day. hours and hours, every not picking you up from day. school. <laughs> Every single so you day. had to go to the office. And it wasn't there. just 5, 10, 15 <clears throat> minutes every day. Which that would have been. If you're 5, 10, and 15 minutes late every single day. Yeah. yeah. Even that's inappropriate. Right. Like, be on time to pick your child up from school. Uh-huh. But it was, no, it was half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, three. There were some oh. times where it got to the point where everybody was leaving. It's, it is a wonder lights. that they didn't call CPS. I can't him. believe they didn't. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know what kind of thing he had worked out. Yeah. I have a very strong feeling that it was very much a victim sob story like i have to raise her on my own and i have to do the work and mm -hmm. her mother's uh, 
terrible, <laughs> horrible yeah. person. And so I'm, <clears throat> I'm the hero in this story. Right. And I'm just trying to, and I think it probably, typical that, that narcissistic have, spiel had to have been the route he yeah. would take. And so these, <clears throat> um, school administrators and secretaries and, and they're probably going, well, this poor man, mm-hmm. he's just doing the best he can. Mm-hmm. rather than seeing the red flag and going she's being neglected and abused and not well taken care of Uh yeah oh my gosh well it is amazing everything that you did go through and that you've come as far as you have and you're such an independent and strong person and have done much of this healing on your own Mm -hmm. you know frankly just you know got your own act together so to speak and um knew when to draw the line um you know for our audience members who probably a lot of you are in relationship with someone a parent a mother maybe because i I know that people tune in because they have broken relationships with their mothers and when you have an ongoing long-term toxic relationship sometimes no matter who it is no matter how close they are to you there comes a time when you simply have to draw the line and say enough is enough and that's something that had the strength to do with the man who raised her and um then she was able to really begin her healing journey mm-hmm. um and we were you know much freer to um come back together in the way that we have you know in the last few years and so um took a great deal of strength and inner you know kind of a introspective journey on her part to get there and it's not easy i mean i know you faced so many harsh challenges in that process um and you just had to like go deep inside and and find the strength you know find the inner strength to deal with that yeah. and i'm so proud of you for everything that you've done thank you yeah, and <clears throat> all the work worth mentioning everything you had to overcome as well mm-hmm. um yeah being having your daughter ripped from you and basically being i i think of it almost as like you were just like the town the, the town got all their pitchforks oh, and yeah. lynched you. Uh-huh. You know, you were the monster, uh-huh. the, the witch. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it did feel that way at the time, and it was really difficult afterwards too. Because even after moving away from that area, <clears throat> you know, you can't help but tell your story. You know, somebody simply says, "Do you have children?" And then you know, sometimes I <laughs> say, "Well, yes," but you know, I don't have custody of her. And the first thing and they, they think, go, oh, you know, oh, were you an were addict? You, were you on drugs? Um, what'd you yeah. do to her? What did you do to, you know, ruin that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, nothing. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't even believe the story if I told you, you know, right. it was just so right. ridiculous. Your sin <clears throat> or, yeah, your sin was that you weren't a member of the predominant religion yeah. in the area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite the nightmare you know definitely the worst thing that's that's ever happened to me and that and that's on top of the fact that I you know had a mother who didn't care about me at all mm-hmm. <laughs> so um you know it was never easy and um I I don't know whether I you know must have somehow wanted these things to to happen um so that I could learn certain lessons in this life you know and I know I'm throwing a a kind of a spiritual bent into this situation and many of you may not <laughs> follow the same uh line of thinking as I do but I in in trying to make sense of this because we all do that when we go through really tough times we just try to figure out why is this happening or why has this happened um and to me the thing that made me feel better and I I read the excerpt from Neil Donald Walsh's Little Soul in the Sun in my last episode <clears throat> I do think that there's something to that story about us 
all existing in this place of light um, before we you know come here to this material world and that the whole purpose in coming here is to learn lessons and we get to choose which lessons we want to learn whether it be forgiveness like in the story or many many you know other things <clears throat> and I, I feel like you know because I've, I've had all this tremendous trauma in mother-daughter relationships first with my own mother and me as the daughter and then with me as the mother and my own daughter um, that it was because those were important things that I wanted to figure out how to deal with, how to cope with, how to get through it without becoming harmful to myself or others, you know? And, um, yeah, so it, it was tough. And I hope that, you know, some of you listening who might have tremendous amounts of, of trauma in your mother-child relationships can get something out of this. This is the only reason I do this is to, you know, kind of put things out there and give people food for thought and give people, you know, examples or stories and things that might you might be able to apply to your own situation. Yeah. Um, and if I may share, yeah, I uh, share your thinking on the reason for our tremendous trials. Mm -hmm. And it's funny you bring up Little Soul in the Sun because mm -hmm. I think about that as an analogy a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think I did choose to have these really awful things happen to me so that I could learn, I don't know, forgiveness or strength or maybe just learn to, uh-oh, uh -oh, I have to decline that. Sorry, I got a phone ringing. A little blip. <laughs> um, so learn to be hurt tremendously and then not uh, t seek revenge by hurting back. Right. And mm -hmm. so learn to just do no harm. Like mm -hmm. you always say, that's really a really important trait to mm -hmm. you is do no harm. Yeah. And that's really important to me as well. So I think that was maybe, I think that's sort of when you come like to the culmination of your being. I think it, if you can be tremendously hurt and not seek revenge by hurting back or hurting another, mm -hmm. I think that maybe mm -hmm. is sort of a sign. Yeah, that absolutely. You've reached your self-actualization. Oh, yeah. You know, uh -huh. good word for that, a good phrase, um, which, you know, I think is really something that we're all striving for, whether it takes numerous lifetimes to achieve or... I don't you know, think this is my so, first lifetime. Yeah. I, think it, I think there might be a lifetime mm -hmm. where I did hurt people. And maybe that's why we went through... You it's said, a whole karmic You, you know, said circle. that yeah. you've also uh -huh. used that to explain as an answer to yeah. yourself for all of this. Right. Maybe in another life you chop somebody's kid's head off or something crazy. <laughs> something horrible. And that's why, yeah. what, you know, you know, this is your karmic cycle. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a good point, too, is like, you know, what goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. And and I, I do think that karma is a big possibility, you know, when it comes to things that do happen, things mm -hmm. that are beyond our control. And really, the only thing we do control is our reaction to um, the environment and what's going on. And so it's important that we work on that, you know, in our lives. We work on what what it is that we do in reaction, in mm -hmm. response to the things that happen. Um, because you simply can't change everything. As much as we want to, and we say, oh, this is bad, or this is not my life, or this is not what I thought it would look like, or how it would turn out. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. <laughs> and so yes. all that we can do is is control our reaction to it. And yeah, try not to fall into the patterns that are um, destruct as destructive as what has ha already happened to us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, make the, leave the world a better place than you found it, you know, kind of idea. And also mm -hmm. not uh, be eaten up by hate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not spend so much time hating the people who've hurt you. Yeah. Even yeah. if you don't necessarily 
call them every day and tell them you love them and make them a part of your life anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, Just absolutely. find a way to, like little soul in the sun, find a way to be grateful for the fact that they slowed down their vibration so much and became so dense and dark mm-hmm. that they were they became a teacher right and they're actually an mm-hmm. angel in your life yeah and we have to remember that mm-hmm. that, that that's not who they really are mm-hmm. yeah and I definitely did that with my mom so you know and it wasn't easy like it's not not easy for you and what you've been through um you know forgiveness is a lesson that can be hard learned when it's something that's been so extreme and so detrimental and comes with so much collateral damage um, but yeah, I mean, I do remember going through that process with her and then the final, you know, after years of really having so much resentment and then the final um, letting go, mm-hmm. which is just such a lightning thing. You know, when you're carrying around the burden of, I don't know if it got to hate, <laughs> yeah. maybe at times it was yeah. very strong dislike, resentment, um, bitterness, you know, um, and then finally just kind of saying, you know, I'm. I don't want to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in that place. And um, whatever it is that happened, happened for a reason. And she is who she is. And mm-hmm. she has some redeeming qualities like any other human being. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just try to focus on those and let go of the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, um, I can love her from afar mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's... That's exactly what I did. And I've seen you go through that process. I resonate with that very Mm -hmm. strongly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Well, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wind this up? This is one of our longer episodes, but I love Mm -hmm. having you here with me for it. We could record a lot of these and Mm -hmm. they could go, they could all be very long. Yeah. So, and it's a somewhat of an emotional output to uh-huh. talk about some of this stuff it really so is. we really would have to do these like little 20 minute increments uh-huh. at a time because yeah i'll just be wiped out the rest of the day <laughs> I if, agree. if we go into too many other stories but it would be really fun to record some more podcasts and talk about some of this these things in more detail yeah i absolutely look forward to that okay well we will go ahead and wind this up for now um just want to thank you all for being here and listening Uh, This is your No Drama Mama saying to you uh, with Darling Daughter Jedi, remember to show up for yourself in every way. You are worthy of love just as you are always.